and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, we're joined by Carolina and her sister Nia from Charcuterie Board HTX. Austin tells a story of starting his small business. Christy finishes the retaining wall on her shop project. And I tell a story about coming home with a car my wife did not know I was buying. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Good to see you this week. What up? Hey. (laughs) So, Christy, what you been up to? Absolutely nothing. No. Um... I'm Doesn't sorry, look but like it, nothing according to yeah. the Instagram I've been seeing. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's the continuation, uh, actually, the completion of the retaining wall. And actually, as we're recording the podcast this evening, Marvin's been on the tractor working on uh, moving gravel around. So I would like to think in the not too distant future, we're going to be working on some uh, some concrete floors. He must have heard that she thinks my tractor sexy song and he's trying to seduce <laughs> you out there. Uh, he's usually successful with that. So that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're doing a retaining wall, like my layman knowledge of it is typically they need something that's like a, like a dead man or whatever that secures them further back. Is that what you guys had in there? Is there any kind of like supports that go back into the area behind the wall? Or are are you just doing like a straight, um, straight up and down wall? Uh, each block has a lip on it, on the back of it. So, you know, it's, it steps back a half inch or so that catches the back. So what Marvin's working on today is, is backfill of all of the gravel, um, that will, you know, support the back of that. And, um, so yeah, they, they, they lean, they lean back because of that lip that catches. I guess the the biggest thing is water movement. Like you're trying to give water a way to get out of there. That's not eroding your, your surrounding land. Yeah. And actually the way our, on the, between the house and the retaining wall that was there already, that kind of opened up a, 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 an avenue for water to run anyway. So we are just expanding and lengthening that retaining wall four or five times longer. Um, so we're not we're, we're not changing the path of water. We're just kind of giving it a longer um, area to to run, and then the driveway will will come up there, and we'll be able to fill that all in with concrete and and everything when we get to that point. Cool. What about you, Dean? Have you been doing something? Oh, so I didn't want to say anything, but. You bought something else big and expensive. I probably did, but no, uh, I turned the fiber laser on two days to read the directions, barely in English. And then I set everything up the way their settings were. And I got errors. And so three YouTube videos later, I realized I didn't buy the type of laser. I thought I had bought it's a fiber laser, but there's like different subcategories. And everyone had told me to buy a JPT and that's not what I ended up with, but I found some settings that I turned on and worked. And so I made seven, uh, fires of just a square. And it is crazy. Cause it, it makes so much noise. Like the CO2 lasers, you, you don't, you hear it sliding back and forth, but the burning, I guess, cause it's in case, but it's just kind of like, a shh, shh. this thing is like, and it finishes like a little flurry and it is crazy to see. So I have those black aluminum business cards and I just did right. squares on that. And the third one, so much heat had gotten into the car that it 
looked like a Pringle. It had bowed up so much. Oh, wow. So I didn't have any ventilation set up. So I stopped there and I said, you know what? I'm going to run to Rockler. It's five o'clock. I'm going to run to Rockler. They close at six and get a Y splitter. So I can use the same ventilation that's on my Glowforge and pick up a few other tools I wanted. And I drove all the way South Houston Galleria area to go to Rockler. And on Sunday, they close at four. Oh, man. oh man. So yeah, that was an hour and 10 minute waste of time. Uh, and by the time I came back, I had other things I needed to get done on Sunday, um, some laundry stuff and some other things. So I didn't mess with the laser anymore, but I did figure out how to turn it on, figure out how to program a shape, figure out how to send a signal and all that's firing. There's definitely some configuration I have to send out, figure out the laser says that you get one hour of free, like professional consultation with the company I bought it from. So I need to register for that to get that going. But uh, hopefully, you know, maybe by the end of the month, I'll be at a point of proficiency where I can start putting out some products. That's awesome. That'd be good. So I bought three different brands of those box cutter knives you like, just the cheap push down the yeah. back and the box cutter comes out and a set of ceramic blades. Cause I thought, it would be cool to get some of these and I can do a logo on them or do someone's logo on them with a ceramic blade and charge 10 bucks. You know, they cost me a dollar plus a blade and shipping and I'm doubling my money and they're fast and I can learn doing that. Well, I get them all in the ones you like were the best functioning, but they already have etching on both sides. Mm. Then the cheap ones that I bought that have no etching, they, the functionality is shit because they're like overbent or something. They're just too tight. And then yeah. the ceramic blades I bought are the wrong blades. I bought more like a razor blade. That's kind of that pyramid shape. And right. those need the blade that has like the, the thick top and it's just more square. So right. I just screwed that up every way possible. So I'll, uh, that's one product I was thinking about reaching out to you. Now that I got the mill and this laser, you know, maybe is there some products that we can, you know, why let these other people come out with you no know, knives of makers or, picks of ice, you know, why can't we come up with some products that we can personalize and customize? And there's a lot of everyday carry groups out there. And I know people will pay for a special. So, you know, if I can figure out a way to take a pair of pliers and anodize it and then throw it under this laser and do a honeycomb print or something on it. Uh, I think, um, I think there's something there. So that's, that's the goal is I'm hoping the laser and the new mill prompt a new product that I can develop and put out there, you know, to Neil, um, a while back, she had asked for this leather knife and then she got a job. And so we really haven't been engaging with her as much, but you know, that was something there, you know, is there a tool that leather makers are dying for that? They're just, they're suffering through some subpar, you know, maybe an exacto that's got, got some kind of wrapping on it. Um, that's just a subpar <laughs> product and we can come up with something better. You know, I think there's an opportunity there. There you go. Yeah. I think that's the key to any business is looking around and, you know, finding, finding an open, open niche. Yep. What about you, black shirt guy? What you been up to? Man, I've been, uh, I've been doing a lot of blacksmithing here lately. And, um, for mother's day, I made my mother-in-law a couple of, um, plant hangers, like wall mounted style plant hangers. <laughs> and I just was trying out some different shape forms, kind of just learning to Cause I don't blacksmith that often. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take these and I'm just going to play and just try to come up with, you know, some, some different looking things that I've made before and move the metal 
like actually try to move it into the correct area, you know, like trying to actually work the metal and get it into the locations that I want it to be thicker and thinner and stuff like that. I saw the ones you made, they were good looking, but it would have been neat if you'd done that Jacob Griffin proprietary dragon tail split twist. Have you ever done any of those crazy, uh, different designs? No, because they take time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we just got power back out to the blacksmith shop. We had, uh, the, so the blacksmith shop is currently run on a, a long extension cord that goes through the woods. Oh, well, Lord. the sheriff's department came through <laughs> and was clearing the ditch. And apparently one of them found the cord with a weed whacker or a chainsaw or something. Cause it was all jacked up. And I just, I'm like, what's going on? Why do you want to have power out here? Well, it turns out it's hard to have power when the line's not connected. So uh, we got that hooked up back in action so I could actually have lights. <laughs> and the other thing I made my mom for mother's day, I forged a spoon out of copper. Uh, and that was super cool. Like copper forges kind of like, like play, like you're smacking Play-Doh with a, with a hammer. Um, it's really satisfying, like how, how fast it moves and how cool it looks. So that was, and it was definitely a learning curve because it, um, you got to really be more delicate, like, especially when it starts getting thinner and also copper work hardens super fast. If, you know, if you're not keeping it annealed or if you're not keeping it hot, and uh, so I like split the tip of the spoon a couple times and had to, you know, rework it a, cu- a couple times. But it's it's been fun. It's been fun, entertaining, and uh, hopefully, I knew my mom. My mom's already got it. We haven't. My mother in law hasn't got it yet, but I think she'll she'll dig it. She's like a plant lady. So what about your wife? You didn't make her nothing. She's had enough of your gifts. Man, she doesn't deserve anything after I made that fucking table. There you go. <laughs> Is she still liking the table? Oh, yeah. Is she still liking the table? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. So Jacob from Other Dog will be here on Thursday. So he'll get to check it out in person. Very you can nice. let him in what the house? Uh, well, he said he's camping, but I don't know. All My right. wife is like... You got to show up the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's welcome to come in the house, but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know if you were going to let him in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's sleeping in here. I thought that's what you were asking. But... Uh, no, I was asking if he was going to eat his meals outside. No, he can come in the house. <laughs> yeah, if he wants to. My freaking kids are sick again. So he might not want to come in the house. I don't know. I'm questioning yeah. October, and that's a long way away. God, your little, little, my little my oldest one's over it. He got sick last week. And then my youngest one, he so today was the day of recovery where he was like all of a sudden acting like a maniac. I'm like, oh, you must feel better already. <laughs> So tonight we're joined here with Carolina from Charcuterie Board HTX. Great to have you on tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Can you kind of give us a little bit uh, about you and your business, kind of the little rundown? Yeah. So my name is Carolina and I actually own Charcuterie Board HTX. We usually don't dig too deep into the backstory, but I am really curious because this, your business is very specialized. So I'm kind of curious, how did you get into the charcuterie board niche? Yeah. So it's actually a story that I tell at every workshop that I do. It's um, the same story, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it was basically back in 2018. I went to Spain 
with a few of my best friends and I was introduced to the Manchego cheese, which is made in Spain. I came back to the United States in search of just like where to find it, how to incorporate it into my uh, daily routine. And so I hashtag Manchego on Instagram and I came across the charcuterie boards Mm. and uh, thankfully, my husband's birthday was around the corner. So I was like, I'm going to try my hand at this. And to me, I thought it was, you know, a work of art. Everyone was <laughs> ooing and eyeing over it. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I did that, you know? <laughs> so from there, um, I think maybe two weekends from then, I started the Instagram that I thought I was just like the best at making charcuterie. If you go back to like my very first post, it's literally just like, stuff slapped on the board. Yeah. It looks like it's from a grocery store. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I cringe every time I look at that, but I thought it was like the best thing ever. And everybody was complimenting. I got maybe like 200 followers the first night. I remember laying in bed. Yeah. I laid in bed and I was just like, look, my husband, like, Oh my gosh, look at all these people. (laughs) And everybody was loving it. So I was just like, Hey, I'm here for it. So how did it, How did it kind of go from kind of walk us through your journey from going from your your husband's party to this actually developing? Because I know there's a lot of a lot of folks that listen to the podcast. They want to take their hobby or their side hustle. They want to take it into that world tour. It's full time. So can you kind of walk us through your, your timeline a little bit as far as how did you how did you get out there? Yeah, for sure. So I was actually forced to just dive literally deep into it. Um, So with COVID, um, I got laid off my corporate job and um, I sat down with my husband and it was either because at the time my charcuterie was kind of starting to take off. Um, I was starting to book every weekend. I would not try not to book during the week just because I had, you know, nine to five and so he, we sat down and it was just kind of like, do you want to go back into the corporate world or do you want to see how this goes? And thankfully we, well, I chose um, charcuterie and oh, yeah. it's been amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. So not like, the first charcuterie party, I guess I would call it that you had, um, what board did you use? Did you just have like a cutting board or did you buy a charcuterie board or kind of, how did you, how did you start that very beginning with, from the board perspective anyway? Yeah. So I actually, everything I, I love TJ Maxx. (laughs) Marshall (laughs) TJ Maxx. So they have, you know, a section dedicated to boards, wooden boards, any type of board you want. So I thought that was like the perfect section and I grabbed a few and I had a few on hand and that's what I used. When I first started selling my actual boards, um, I would buy just wooden boards from uh, TJ Maxx and sell them with, with, with the board. Okay. Cause I was kind of wondering about that, whether you had to go back and pick up or whether it was just, this is yours and you can kind of keep it. So as we, as we kind of jump into the COVID effect on, um, on you building a business, how, like your first party was all hands, all on the charcuterie board. Everybody's, you know, like we used to eat where we just all were just eating literally together. What were those kind of like extra steps you had to, you had to put in, um, put into play when, when COVID was so much of an issue. 
So with COVID, I introduced the to-go box, which was actually just a 10 by 10. Um, it was a personal, you know, it was something that I delivered to the home because at the time you weren't allowed to go out to eat, you know, uh, all of the restaurants were shut down. So it was something that was able, I was able to deliver and usually a household is, you know, four to six, two to four, five, six people that live in there. And it was perfect. You know, it was a perfect little appetizer or a little pick me up. Um, so with that, it was just like, you know, you were sharing within the household, but that also gave me an idea to do more single serve items. Um, so I have my cones and then I have my charcuterie cups and I have, you know, other single serving items that I provide on my menu now. So I think that just kind of emphasizes, you know, how you are paying attention to what's going on, to what the need is. And I think that's, you know, as the three of us, um, as Dean and Austin and I, we talk to other makers and, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do or whatever. And it's like, find something you love to do that works in what people want. And that seems to be your key. You're paying attention. Yeah. So I would imagine that after you had the first party with, you know, where you forced this cheese on Marcus, that you had a lot of <laughs> friends and family were your first customers. How did you yes, go about actually. growing into a customer base? It was easy. Um, thankfully with Instagram, you know, like I said, I started my page and people immediately started asking um, if I was selling. So at first I was like, what am I not selling this, you know, to me, it was just a hobby. I'm not going to sell this, you know, but at the end of the day, I saw market and I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> and so you've got a market and a product they want. One thing that people struggle with starting a business is pricing. How did you decide what your pricing was going to be? I just went around, like, I think there was like maybe three to four people that I like searched on Instagram around us to see what their pricing was just to, you know, ballpark what they were pricing it. And I went a lot lower than them just because I was starting out. I wasn't, I, you know, anywhere near where I wanted to be. So um, that's how I kind of priced my charcuterie boards. So I was curious with inflation and food, have you had to find some substitutions? Maybe you can give us an example of something, a food that you used early on that now you no longer can use and maybe a food that you find you're buying more and more of because it's available and economical. Yeah. So there's a lot of product that got backed up because of, you know, the shipping. Um, and we had to kind of substitute them for, you know, other fruits and other dried fruits. But and then I would say also mozzarella balls. Those are really hard to get now. Oh yeah. My wife says that all the time. Yeah. I think the last time we found some was like two months ago. And then we recently found some and then they're gone again. So <laughs> yeah. People Same like that cheese. That. Well, let me mm -hmm. ask you this. I got one more question that I'm going to make you think on, and then we'll get back to the softball questions. Um, what's one thing that maybe you didn't even consider eating two years ago that has come into your life because it's an ingredient on your charcuterie boards, maybe a type of cheese or a type of meat that you never considered before. Um, so I can't eat any, well, not any, but I don't eat any of my cheese or meats. Um, just because I'm pregnant <laughs> and I can't, <laughs> but it used to be mentioned, like I could literally eat that every, I would eat chunks of it after, yeah, after I was done with the board, I would save my little, you know, cause you chop like 
eat uneven slices. I would put them aside to put in my quesadillas, to put on top of my spaghetti, just like, and then you're into copa right oh, now. I'm super into copa. I never really cared for prosciutto or like those pork meats and I'm super into copa. Like I'm obsessed with it. It's really bad. I <laughs> yeah, she got it. I'll the text first, her. Like in the, the first thing she comes in, <laughs> she gets here and she's like, I need some copa. It's seven in the morning. I'm like, you're disgusting. <laughs> There's worse things to be a I'll eat the serving <laughs> size. The serving size is three. I'm like, if I can have a serving size, I'm fine. That's it. As just need that space there. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I think it's fine because it's just a serving size, you know, 190 calories for three slices. It's not bad at all. <laughs> One thing I've noticed with things like charcuterie boards, they're very seasonal, not only in what's available during the different seasons, but also they're driven by Mother's Day, a holiday that just passed, or Christmas or Thanksgiving and, and reasons to gather. Um could you tell us about how the seasons affect your business and when your busiest times are and when are the, maybe the slow times? Yeah, definitely. So holidays are definitely the craziest, busiest time of the year. Um, I sell out almost every time and, and I don't really have any slow, like early right. spring, like yeah. after January. I would yeah, say when, like maybe when we have no work holidays and all yeah. the sports. Are- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did notice. Cause we, Yeah. But it wasn't like a lot, but it, it, we did notice a little. Yeah, we have constant traffic, but it's never like dead. Yeah, because I noticed like, as I was scanning through, you had even like brought up things like, you know, when mom and baby come home from the hospital, have this tray for. And I'm like, yeah. that is genius. You know, mm-hmm. those type of situations, those type of special events, when somebody does not want to have to cook. That's ideal. Exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. That's the perfect scenario too, because all those pregnant women that haven't been able to eat lunch meats are like, (laughs) that's all my wife wanted. She was like, I just need ham and salami. And like, that's all she wanted. And uh, so that's perfect marketing for you. Yeah. It truly is. It's a, it's a, Great gift for any occasion, honestly. You can thank someone, bring them like a charcuterie board, real estate, you know, you can gift it to new home buyers and it's just great all around. Sorry, gift. But I think what's what's cool about it is people can be extremely picky eaters. And with something like what you're making, there's always something on there that they can pick and choose that they like. Have, do you have any stories of like customers that were like really picky in particular that you had to kind of work around or, or have you found um, different ways that you can kind of add some unique, unique things and kind of test it out on, you know, clients or something like yeah. that? Um, so my boards are actually made to order. So you, you are, you know, free. I have, I give you free range of like what kind of meats and cheese you get on your board. And then also I ask if there are any dietary restrictions or allergies. Um, So it makes it easier on us, like uh, uh, as far as like allergens or, you know, anybody that's picky. I don't like chocolate. I don't like, you know, nuts on my board. So that's cool. So how do you control that? Is it like a form on your website or we don't actually have a website right now, but it's definitely something that I ask while we're taking the orders and yeah, we, we make notes of it. Gotcha. So you cut your orders are through your Instagram and it's mainly just over the phone. You just kind of walk through 
that with a client. Oh, okay. That's cool. You had mentioned, you know, the real estate brokers a little bit ago. Do you have a connection with any specific type businesses that you, you know, like every time they sell a house or, or, you know, other professionals that, you know, do a um, housewarming, or if you're trying to, you know, schmooze another business or something like that. So do you have like connections with certain businesses that kind of keep you going on a regular basis too? Yeah. Um, we have a lot of real estate, um, agents. Um, we have dermatology offices that we work with. Um, nothing gets them back in the door, like cheese and meat, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I have a lot of regular customers as well that just small businesses that use as picnic companies. Mm -hmm. Um, photographers, they use me to, you know, um, get a little snack. They have like full day photo shoot. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. I saw even like a, like an airplane, you know, private jets. I would think that's a thing too, but that'd be a a nice niche. Cause if you're flying in a private jet, you're going to want some, uh, good looking, good looking snacks on the, on the plane. Calm down, Christine. Yeah. When I fly my private jet, I like some good looking snacks too. (laughs) Yeah. We've actually had a few um, private jets reach out and we've done a few items for them as well. So it's fun. It's fun getting to know different companies. All this talk of meats and cheeses. I had a question about the development of what defines a charcuterie board, because I've seen more than just meats and cheeses. I've seen you do bark boards with dog treats and I've seen more and more candy, like for a kid's birthday or something. Tell us about some of these other unique avenues that you've taken the charcuterie board beyond meats and cheese. So I I have a lot of, you know, special requests from our customers and it's all based on requests. I don't really advertise for it. Obviously, if they come about, I do advertise it and I put it on my page. I'm like, this is something else we do, you know. Um, But as far as the candy board, I actually did that for my niece, for my niece's birthday. And they became very popular after that. And then um, the bark board, that's something that I get some requests for as well. And so, you know, a consistent theme throughout this is that your Instagram is your primary means of finding customers and advertising your business. And I've noticed you have a very well curated Instagram page. All the pictures look the same. They've kind of got the same feel to them. Is that something that you've set out to like, this is my brand and this is my identity? Um, honestly, no, I just like to take really pretty pictures. (laughs) Um, and I get a lot of compliments as far as, you know, my Instagram images, just everyone's just like super impressed. I'm like, I take them on my iPhone, nothing special, you know? Um, but I I think just like charcuterie is just beautiful. So (laughs) it speaks for itself. The one thing I noticed that I don't think was on uh, any of the charcuterie boards that I was scanning through, there was no celery and carrots. Is that kind of, you know, the traditional vegetables? Are those like old school? So we're not going to, you know, they're not pretty enough to put yeah. on the charcuterie board. Or is that just, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious if that was intentional or accidental. <laughs> we actually work with carrots. We love carrots on our board. So there's like this okay. uh, melody that we use is to try carrots, a 
purple, yellow, and orange, and it looks pretty on a board. But as far as celery, I don't think we've ever worked with it. Uh, we bought it, but we just never put it on our board and it just never made it. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't make the cut. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go through the construction of a board and maybe you could give our listeners some tips on the decisions that go into how the meats and cheeses and vegetables are laid out. What are the cues that you look for when this goes here, that goes there? you know, maybe what cracker needs to be next to what spread and, you know, just what goes in the science behind making a board. So I have a method to my madness. Um, not exactly every board is ever looks the same, but I like to lay, you know, the layout of my board is always cheese. And then I do meats and then I do the fruits and then I call it jacket up. Um, and it's just like the nuts, the chocolates, the, you know, crackers and all of that. But I do the dry stuff first. Like I do the fruits, sometimes crackers. Um, I'll do pistachios because those are dry. And then I'll work with cheese and then I'll do it with meat. So I did like the dry stuff down first. It's just, yeah, it's more preference. Um, as far as what you put on a board, it's more of what you want to eat that snack, you know, um, your nuts, your pretzels, your cheese. So Carolina, if you had your favorite ingredients on the board, what is your charcuterie for you? What do you pick? So manchego. And then I would do blueberry goat cheese because that is delicious. Um, If you haven't tried it, you definitely have to. (laughs) I have some down in the refrigerator, actually. We love it too. Yeah, I like to pair that with my dried orange slices. Um, So you put it on a cracker, you spread it on a cracker, and then on top you put a dried orange. And it's literally like the best thing in the world. (laughs) Um, And then as far as meats, um, I've never really eaten the meat, um, which is pretty interesting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it just doesn't call... Yeah. Well, you found your why and your why is the cheese, not the meat. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Carolina, we do a little thing called this or that, where we give our guests a few different options to choose from. And so I thought we would do some charcuterie board themed this or that. And the first one I'm going to go with chocolate covered pretzels. This or that chocolate covered pretzels or white chocolate covered pretzels. Chocolate all the way. I'm a chocolate fan. So Definitely chocolate. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. I like it. My wife would agree with you. Grapes, green or red? Green. I like green, crunchy grapes. Mm -hmm. All right. And then best way to serve at a party. Is it the charcuterie cone or the free for all table? Mm, That's a good one. It just depends on what you're going for, but if it was my party, <laughs> I do charcuterie cones. Cool. So I had a question about your classes. Like what's, what, what do they look like when you're kind of doing them? Um, could you just give us a rundown on like how you set it up and the way that you run them? Um, so when I do my charcuterie workshops, it's just the basics as far as how to cut your cheese, how to lay your salami, Um, what pairs well with what. So we do just basics at workshop, a brief intro on each meat and cheese. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, and then what's the difference between when you're doing like a private in home versus the one where you're doing it at like a public venue? We've done one, we've done one in private home 
um, class. So that was pretty much the same thing. We went, we prepped at home, we set up there and it was smaller, um, did the brief intro and then everyone got to keep everything. And again, we left. Um, but y'all have only done one in private home. Was it the one that I was too hungover to go to? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a rundown on what is your go-to knife, uh, to, cut up the meat, cheese, all that kind of stuff. What's like your, your favorite one to use? So one of my favorite knives that I use on a daily is actually a knife that my husband got me as a gift. Um, it's the Wusthof chef knife and it's super, super sharp. I love it. It's awesome. Now do you cut uh, bell peppers in particular? Because that's been a big conversation over the last month or so, or at least the last few weeks. Do you cut up bell peppers or do you use the peppers that are like, oh, you know, the smaller ones that are a single piece. Yeah. So we use the mini bell peppers. Um, oh, okay. It's just aesthetically pleasing on a board. <laughs> yeah. And less work, you know, less work by having to slice it up in 400 different ways that apparently the world has to slice yeah. up a pepper. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to pick up too. Just if it's one little. Yeah. yeah. So for charcuterie, you want finger sized foods. So it's just something easy to pick up. So look, you alluded to this earlier, so I don't feel bad bringing it up. You are currently pregnant and you are a small business owner who has put two years of sweat equity into getting this business going. And this is a life event. A pregnancy is a life event. Is charcuterie board H2X going to continue into the future? Absolutely. So charcuterie board HTX is my baby, my first baby. Um, <laughs> but I have actually hired my sister full time um, and she will be taking over while I'm out. Okay. What yeah. happens if she tries to start HTX charcuterie board? Do you have, okay. So is, is it some kind of knuckle sandwich clause? Or what's the deal in there? <laughs> um, she won't. <laughs> she says that. She keeps saying that. My dad, my dad keeps putting it in my ears. You should go start your own. Oh, Papa needs to back off. My parents actually bought a house in Florida and my dad is in my sister's ear, just, um, you know, trying to get her to get a, do charcuterie out there. Well, that's far enough. You know, that's far enough a distance. And it sounds like she might owe you a little franchisee fee if she (laughs) were to do that. So exactly. You might. I taught um, her what she knows, though. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> has been thrown. Well, look, I'll say this. You've got loyalty over here. She's not getting any custom napkin ring. She's not getting any custom. <laughs> you know, a common question people always ask, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And the growth you've experienced in two years is just so impressive. What are some of the goals you have for yourself five years down the road? So. We're actually looking for a storefront right now. And where I see myself in five years is opening a second storefront somewhere in the suburbs, <laughs> Katy, Cyprus, somewhere out there. Do you find you get a lot of requests from outside of the city? Oh, for sure. I go from Woodlands, Woodlands Conroe, Spring. What was, that? what was that one delivery over there? Orange, Texas. Orange, Texas. <laughs> Did you really deliver a board to Orange? Yes. Not really, but not really. Yeah. Well, we they did. met you halfway. That's like no, two well, hours. 
That was actually um, a Christmas. We do Christmas cones for this company each year. And, you know, they had their customer, their preferred customer list. And that was one of their customers. So we go out to deliver the next day. I get a call and they're like, hey, the customer actually moved. He doesn't live there. Can you deliver to their new address? So we delivered to like some random person (laughs) in Orange, Texas. Wow. You know, one of the ones that caught my eye um, was your Halloween trays or your Halloween charcuterie boards, because it's like you've got the little skeletons or the little skulls like wrapped in prosciutto. And I'm assuming that was prosciutto. And I'm just like, okay, it looks like it it, it looks it looks ideal. It looks perfect for Halloween. So, I mean, is that I'm assuming you guys enjoy kind of you know, adding a little twist or a little creativity as you're, as you're doing these boards also? Yes, absolutely. We love holidays around here. So any chance we get to spruce up our board, um, we love it, especially Halloween. You know, I'm an October baby, so I go full on (laughs) for October. What's the key to keeping your ingredients fresh, like your cheese fresh, your fruit fresh? You know, what's the key? Because it's like two minutes after I put cheese out on my board, it's dry and starting to shrivel up. And I'm like, I just set that out. So what's the key, especially the cheese, but to keep a charcuterie board fresh? Um, we keep it really cold in here. That's another thing. Um, we try to keep it like 66, 67, oh even when it's goodness. cold. So we're, we're just because as soon as you put that cheese on the board, it's it's going to start sweating if there's, you know, yeah. um, but also we do make our things. Um, they're made to order. So, I mean, I don't know. We just keep it really cold in there. You always try to make sure, like I said, I like to start off with dry ingredients for that reason, just to, um, also depends on your prep time. Sometimes it's best to prep like the night before. I noticed that if we prep the night before, like chop up cheese, the next day it's going to be in that condition, like way much colder, you know, and it's easier oh, to yeah. board and it'll last longer. And then again, we usually, it's usually pick up. So they pick up as soon as it's fresh from us. And then same with delivery. We, we carry um, bags with insulated bags with um, ice packs in them. So and so yeah. when you talk about in here, we keep it cold. Y'all have like a 3000 square foot industrial kitchen. Is that where yeah. you're doing all this or are you doing it in your house? Almost 3000. <laughs> yeah. So this is all uh, done yeah, so in your is, house. So prom season, is, it's like we eat in Burger King every night because the entire kitchen is charcuterie. Yeah. We're thankful for this, um, 16 foot long Island. <laughs> oh, that is key. Yeah. So, um, we, everybody that comes on the podcast, we ask them this particular question and we call it a three tools question. And it's normally about a workshop. Like when you're going to go start a new workshop, we ask them the three tools that they would bring in to start the workshop, like their favorite three. So, but I want to change it a little bit for you. Like when you go to get your first big retail, what are going to be your first three things that you want in that space to be able to work with? The top three um, must haves are walk-in refrigerator, uh, large storage space, and then a large island to work or like workspace island. And those are three pretty good ones. I think anybody with a house is wanting those three in their house too. <laughs> yeah. And anyone with a shop would like that too, even if it's yeah. uh <laughs> yeah, walk-in storage. <laughs> A yeah. large workspace. Yeah, that's universal, I think. That's very yeah. universal. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't want a- my house set at 66 degrees too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So this is a funny little story about Carolina and charcuterie board HTX and her Instagram page. And so I'm at, I didn't know that they had only done one or two in-home classes. And, and I'll tell you, this is a secret to anybody who's looking to start a small business. So I'm sitting at trivia with some friends and this girl's like, what's something we can do besides trivia one week? And I go, what about one of these charcuterie board classes? I, I know a girl that, that does these classes and she goes, Oh, who? And so I say, Oh, charcuterie board HTX. And she goes, Oh my God, you know, the charcuterie board girl. And I'm like, Carolina. Yeah, I know her. And she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And she's like hyperventilating. She's fangirling so much over the charcuterie board page. And so I messaged Carolina and it was so professional. I was like, what's the schedule look like? I'm thinking it has to be months out. Like they're just, they've got to be booked up. And you came across so professional with here's the schedule and the pricing. And I thought y'all were like just booked up for months and months. And this was something you did all the time. So that's a key. You've heard fake it till you make it you know, come across <laughs> as professional as you want to be and, and you'll be taken professionally. So, uh, awesome. the girl's house, I told the girl, I was like, look, we'll do it, but it has to be at your house. Cause I wasn't cleaning. And, uh, she, <laughs> she hired somebody to come in and clean her house and had us over, had everyone except me over to do charcuterie boards. <laughs> I, had to much, I had a little too much to drink the night before, but that's not, that's not my fault, but Kristen brought my plate home. And so I got to have it, uh, later that day when I woke up, uh, I got to have my meat and cheese board and it was a, it was a good time, but I'll never forget uh, seeing my friend, like just how we, we never know who we're celebrities to. What that means you just have to set another one up now because you didn't make the last one. Well, now that I know y'all some fucking amateurs, I want a discount. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find hey, I didn't get to speak. 15%. Yeah. I didn't get to speak. Yeah. I'm not an amateur. I'm coming for y'all. My All right, so coming soon. Charcuterie FLA. Yeah. Well, I think that's about the end of our time. Um, why don't you tell us, tell everybody, Carolina, where they can find your page? So you can find me at charcuterie board HTX. Um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. TikTok. Caroline and Nia, thank y'all so much for joining us tonight. And I can't wait to see these uh, two storefront locations in five years. There we go. Thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being on. Just finished talking to Carolina. And one thing about her business was she talked about she was laid off and she just seized that opportunity and pivoted into full-time charcuterie board and fooled me and fooled everyone into thinking, you know, she was the professional and then became that, you know, she is a professional at what she does now. And so it got me thinking, you know, Austin, what was the time where maybe you just carpe diemed, you know, you saw an opportunity and you, you seized it. So for me, it's the, basically the exact same story as her, except for I didn't get laid off. I was still building surfboards and I, I saw the market available for the pins. I started making them for my friends and family and my Instagram was instantly successful. Same, same kind of scenario. And I was getting so many people DMing me like, Hey, are you selling these? You know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I am now, you know, let's just, let's just go for it. And it became so popular. Uh, and plus I was ready to be done with surfboards. It was a perfect time for me to, to make the jump. And, um, that's probably the most notable thing that I've you know, seized the moment on because it was, 
it's I, I it, it let me go to the next place I wanted to be. What about you? So, you know, I could sit here and tell a story about stamps, but I was going to tell you a different story. Growing up, I had a friend whose dad had a F-150 King Ranch. And I was just so enamored with this truck, like the smell of the leather in this truck. I just, everything I wanted in life involved an F-150 King Ranch. Was it the one with the, the saddle leather seats? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, you know, me that's too, man. About. You know, I love it. That's the age I'm at, mid-90s, yeah. late 90s. Yep. So fast forward to when I have a job and I can afford things, I go and get me an F-150 King Ranch. Unfortunately, a few years too late, they don't do the saddle seats at this time. Right. Uh, but they didn't do the saddle seats because they did air-conditioned seats. And even though I really wanted the saddle seats, I was willing to sacrifice for that air-conditioned seat. And then I quit sleeping at night because I was terrified in this city that someone was stealing my tailgate, stealing my rims (laughs) now would be stealing catalytic converters. And I was just terrified constantly of someone messing with my truck. And so I was driving to Baton Rouge for work one weekend and the car in front of me kicked up some debris and it scratched the paint on the A pillar. And so I went and got it touched up, but it didn't matter. Like I still saw, the mm-hmm. scratches on this truck that like I had wanted for so long. And so I went to Dallas for a job and my hotel was across the street from a car dealership and they had a Toyota Land Cruiser in the lot. And it's a car that I had, I had an older one when I was younger. And I said, you know what? I'm going to seize this moment and didn't tell anybody or talk to anybody. And I just drove my King Ranch across the street. I said, what do you give me? I'll take that white Land Cruiser. And I drove it home. And I still remember pulling in the driveway and my wife was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> the, what? No, what? Because I didn't tell her I was doing this or anything. I was yeah. in the hotel just looking across the street. It was like, I'd be a little happier, I think, with that Land Cruiser. And I made the switch. I seized the moment to take this uh, new truck and I, I drove it home. And I, I was so committed. Like, I drove across the street, emptied it out in the parking lot, and was like, all right, let me test drive this Land Cruiser and then just load all my shit in. I'm going home. <laughs> wow. Yeah, your wife probably thought you were on some kind of drugs. <laughs> I told her, seize the moment, baby. That's right. What about you, Christy? Well, I think I'm, I'm more of a uh, prepare to potentially seize the moment. (laughs) I know that might sound (laughs) kind of goofy, but you know, ever since we had um, Stevie from built by Stevie on, you know, she had a similar situation where she was laid off and all of a sudden she had an opportunity And she made the best of it. I mean, she's got a thriving business down in Nashville. And so I think of that, too, as we were talking to Carolina this evening. Now, I have no intentions of leaving my job. I hope to heavens I'm not going to be fired anytime soon. But I think there's something to be said about about keeping your eye open, but also laying some groundwork for the what ifs, because I've got or will have within the next however long a fantastic shop to work out of, you know, and it's always kind of in the back of my mind. What would be my product? What would be my you know, what have I learned over the last few years in the maker community with all of the folks, whether it be the mozzies or folks I've met in person, you know, or all these great interviews we've had over the last year that they have seized their opportunity and found their niche. So. I mean, you know, looking back, whether it's changing jobs, moving, you know, whatever, those those situations have happened. But I think as far as seizing a moment, 
I'm more in the preparing to potentially seize a moment right. rather than, you know, something just uh, really jumping out at me as to has already happened. So this is the exact same conversation I had with Tom Moss while I was down there forging with him. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how we keep money on hand to go buy a tool. Like, oh yeah, you know, we both have a certain amount of money we keep on just ready to go, like instantly get, jump in the car and go get it because that's how you get a deal, a deal on tools. You're the first guy who shows up with cash. And, um, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, prepare to seize the day. Well, sometimes it's prepare, prepare to seize the bandsaw. Yeah. So there's something else I wanted to bring up with you guys and see what y'all think. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about the feed on Carolina's Instagram page. It was Mm -hmm. just so well curated and it's a focus page. I mean, the page is not a personal page. It's a charcuterie board page, but it looks so good. And I can't help thinking about how many followers I gained when I only posted stamps. Every post was a stamp and every post looked the same. And every post followed a theme and I gained a ton of followers that way. But since I've moved away from the stamps and just started posting more about my builds and stuff going on in my shop, I've kind of stalled out and just fallen in with the rest of the world of woodworkers. And what do y'all think? You know, is it, is the right thing to run a curated page to try to get bigger or to thy own self be true and just kind of post more about what's going on with you. And if people follow, they follow. I want to see a curated page. I'm not going to take the time (laughs) to build a curated page though. You know, in an ideal world, I want to have my, my feed perfectly lined out and, and well-planned and prepared in advance. But unfortunately that's just not my reality. I do enjoy looking at those pages much more when the lighting is perfect. It's a, it's a very organized, um, structured flow of things, but at least for me anyway, over the last, you know, six months, particularly since we've been building the shop, it's just been the shop build. And I've kind of struggled with, do I, when I post a reel, do I let it hit my page, you know, my like profile page page, or do I just have it show in the, in the reels page, you know, I'm, I'm kind of floundering honestly over the last six months, as far as how my, um, how my page is going, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm a sucker for a uh, well manicured page. So there's mm-hmm. a, a lady, uh, she does blacksmithing and woodworking, but she makes spoons and her name is um, Carolyn Jeanette Racine. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but she makes these hand carved wood spoons. And when you go through her page, it's just phenomenal photography. Like all the product pictures are great. Um, And, uh, and it's just, it's kind of the same elements over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, I think that is a good way to build. Like, I think everybody's they're there to see that, you know, and you're just giving them that, same gratifying thing over and over, you know, different spoons and different shapes and stuff, but the backgrounds are similar. It's kind of that same. And that's what it is. Like you could probably even give like different laser and then wood and then, but you need to have some theme. And I always thought the theme should be you like, you know, Vic from the stump shop. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. stump stuff, but he's done a good job of positioning himself in front of the camera. And, you know, that's who he's his, he is. And, you know, a perfect case study for this is, 
the Instagram account High Caliber Craftsman, <laughs> only post pins, has twenty six thousand followers. Yeah, and the Instagram page High Caliber Craftsman builds that posts funny stories and you know process photos of him running the mill and different projects he's working on and his YouTube videos and all this great other content. Nine hundred seventy one followers. Yep. So pins only and just pictures of pins, 26,000 followers. And it's just, well, I see pins and a three amigos meme, but mostly pins. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I, uh, I agree. It's, uh, it's definitely the way to go if you're trying, but it, you know what? It all depends on what you're going for. Right. And like my, my page where I'm doing my building stuff, I just, I don't give a fuck, man. Really? To be honest, like if people want to follow along in the journey and stuff, that's awesome. And if they want to interact, that's even better because that's, you know, it, it's cool to have the community. And, um, but I think it's cool. Like, okay. So yeah, sure. I got 26,000 right on that other account. And on my Facebook, I got like 130,000, but the community that's there, it's, it's weak in my, you know, not, not weak as in, so your last post was the three steampunk pins and I thought you posted in both, but you didn't, but the three steampunk pins only have 67 likes, including the making our way podcast. So thank Christy for that one. Right. Um, now you do have a video of you knurling. It has 373 likes and that video you did cross post. So right. there's no way it's got 373. Oh, maybe you didn't. Oh yeah. Here it is. 97. But for the most part, your personal page tends to have around 80 to hundred likes per video. Here's one you grind in metal 233 of your 900 followers like that. Right. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. It, right. An engaged thousand followers versus an unengaged 20,000 followers, which is a preferred. Right. Uh, I can tell you as far as making money, the other ones preferred because <laughs> there's just more people, well, Yeah, <laughs> but as far there's as like having that enjoyable back and forth chat in the community kind of thing, or just people that are kind of interested in what you're doing, uh, the second one's better, but, um, to make a living, you got to do both. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Well, let's see a- how many times did he like his own stuff from his other account? <laughs> oh my God. Here we go. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that because I think uh, making our way might uh, like a lot of twisted twine. <laughs> I try to I try to hit you guys' stuff too when it when it comes through. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear feedback from you, so reach out to us on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. I'm at High Caliber Craftsman, Christy is at Twisted Twine Woodworking, and Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. Thanks again, friends. Baby, can you go sit down? You make me nervous. <laughs> yeah, come on, Marcus. Shit. God damn, he's like right here. He's like. it's just a conversation oh i've got a lesson learned from this no husbands in the room moving forward for the record i was sitting on my couch minding my own business you were the whole problem every time you were 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 you
Because Karen was listening to you the no, whole time. Yeah. Karen was like, look at me. Now Marcus, like, no, Marcus wants to signal and be like, she's a don't forget to tell them. <laughs> We're adding it to the the flyer that we send out all husbands and sisters out the room. Yeah, if there could be a crush. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Even, that's I didn't think I should have been here either. You could have done. That. No, you would have been fine, but you should have just spoke. Okay, let's start over. Let's.